Well, good morning to Central Baptist family and others, of course, who are joining us this morning. Uh, beautiful Sunday, Lord's Day morning, and looking forward to a time of worship together very differently in our homes. And welcome to you this morning from uh, my home, uh, seeking to do this ministry from our lounge. Uh, Jamie helping me on this side and, and Ryan some 30, 40 kilometers away remotely at the controls. And so uh, looking forward to this time that we share together this morning. Just a, a comment about the bulletin this morning. Uh, do look at the bulletin. Uh, Michelle sends that out very faithfully and, and regularly uh, just to keep us updated with latest uh, news and events in the life of the church. Uh, no special notices that I want to mention this morning, um, other than just a reminder of our uh, commitment to the church in our tithes and offerings, uh, not coming together. Um, all of our giving takes place uh, electronically. And so thank you for those of you, many of you who so faithfully uh, support uh, our Central Baptist uh, ministry. Well, we want to worship this morning together. And uh, going to invite you to, to join in some singing. But I want to read a couple of verses from Psalm 95, where the psalmist says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. And then he gives the reason. The reason for the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Good morning, church. Today's reading is from Genesis chapter 4, verse 17 to 26. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Erad, and Erad fathered Mehujel, and Mehujel fathered Methushael, and Methushael fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other, Zillah. Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal Cain was Nama. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Good morning, church. Uh, I've been charged with praying for us this morning. So uh, wherever you are, uh, in your own homes and uh, with your own family, maybe would you bow with me and pray? Dear Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for your goodness to us that uh, you continue to extend uh, your grace and mercy to us uh, and show us love in ways that uh, we would never have ever imagined. 
Um, Lord, uh, even in the midst of all the hardships that we are all going through, uh, Lord, uh, you continue to uh, really um, show us grace and mercy. Uh, Father, um, we even uh, want to uh, thank you that you give us hope even in challenging times. Uh, even just this week as we were um, celebrating the life of Marie Fleming, uh, that she lived um, and uh, Father, just who she was in and among us, the encouragement that she brought to us as a church family. Uh, Lord, uh, uh, it's so great to celebrate a life such as that, knowing that uh, she's gone to be with you in glory. And we get to look forward to the day that we celebrate with her for all of us who would call on your name and are saved. Uh, Father, uh, we really want to be reminded that we are strangers and sojourners in this land that you have given us, that this is not home. Uh, home is elsewhere. Uh, home is with you, uh, Father, in heaven. And we look forward to the day of your coming back. We continue to pray. Lord, would you uh, provide work for those in desperate need of work? Uh, Lord, knowing that uh, we want to do all the work uh, that you call us to as if to the Lord and not unto man. Lord, knowing that it is you who called us to work in this world uh, and that we do not work uh, Lord, merely to earn money, but we work because our Lord called us to it. Uh, Father, we pray uh, for those in desperate need of it, therefore, Lord, uh, that would you provide. Lord, we pray for those who have been struggling with COVID, so many cases around us. I uh, pray would you bring healing for many, uh, Lord, and for those really, really in strife of it, our family members, even of those in the church, Lord, we really pray would you bring a hand of healing, uh, Lord, our way. Uh, it's possible and father really pray for the government for wisdom and and really lord uh, for the government to come with serious solutions that can help uh, many people get vaccinated as quickly as possible uh, that we can get to the place of herd immunity uh, Lord, uh, we just thank you also for your goodness to us even this morning that uh, we get a chance to hear from your word again, uh, Lord, as it is opened uh, and shared with us and that we get to chew on it uh, and we get to be moved by it. So we pray this morning, Lord, uh, would you use your word again to shape us, uh, to uh, lead us uh, to become more and more like you and think more and more about thoughts um, of you, uh, Lord, uh, that they may shape our life on this earth. Uh, Father, thank you. Uh, we pray as we continue to worship from our own homes, would you cause our worship to be like incense to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's time to take up your Bible and uh, do turn with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 13. And you'll notice we're getting quite close to the end of the chapter and the end of the book. And uh, I've so enjoyed preparing these messages, God being uh, really ministering to my own soul uh, as uh, the study of this book has unfolded. So chapter 13, and, and we're going to consider a longer passage this morning from verse 7. So follow with me in, in your Bible, and, and then keep your Bible open as we move through the passage in the message hereafter. Reading then from verse 7, Remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. 
We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Just so far, uh, the reading of the Word of God. Let's bow together in a word of prayer. Lord, we do pray that you would enable us day by day, moment by moment, to resist the evil one, to draw near to you, knowing that you draw near to us. Also, Lord, help us to understand that the struggle we have is not against flesh and blood, but against a realm that we cannot even see. And so as we come to your word this morning, Lord, we again just pray that as your spirit has uh, preserved and kept this word, may it be of great use and application, benefit and encouragement, edification for us as we consider it here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to begin this morning by uh, making you or getting you to think a little bit about probably a game that most of you have played, and it is making use of a set of dominoes to set up a chain reaction. Most of us have probably experienced with great delight after setting up the dominoes in a long chain, uh, watching these dominoes knock each other down, collapsing one after the other. And of particular importance to my illustration this morning is the whole collapse taking place after just lightly tapping the very first domino in the sequence that follows. You got that in your mind? I want to go to another illustration uh, of another chain reaction. And this chain reaction is a far more serious uh, chain reaction. And, and this occurs, and I want you to think a little bit about science this morning. I had to do some research myself. This chain reaction begins, it is initiated by a tiny particle called a proton. Tiny, tiny particle that you cannot even see. And this tiny proton bombards an atom. And a specific atom splitting what is called a uranium-235 atom. And what happens is when that tiny proton bombards that particular atom, the original atom being stable, the bombardment causes instability. And the atom changes. It becomes uranium-236. That results in a series of events, each one releasing certain amounts of energy, ultimately ending up as a nuclear bomb. Just like the one that was dropped at Hiroshima, the end of the Second World War, and uh, discovered that some 70,000 people were killed in that particular explosion. That's a very serious chain reaction. But what I want to show you today from this passage 
is what I want to call the most serious chain reaction. It's a serious chain reaction that occurs when men and women propagate and tolerate false teaching. And I've used the analogy of a chain reaction because those who tolerate and those who propagate false teaching end up uh, producing a series of events, series of events finally resulting in the deception of millions of people that end up being banished from God and punished by Him in all eternity. So God's word through the author this morning, the letter to the Hebrews, a long passage, really having to apply my mind to what it is that uh, the focus of the particular passage was. But I believe the focus is found in verse 9, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. God's word to the Hebrews, God's word to us here this morning. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teaching. And so my very first point this morning, avoid being caught up. I urge you this morning, avoid being caught up by false teaching. One of the areas in pastoral ministry that has puzzled me, it puzzles me to this day, is what is the frequent uh, disregard, uh, the blatant disregard, the, the open opposition, <laughs> Not only from outside, in fact, seldom from outside of the church, but from within those who are professing believers, including pastors, for the importance of doctrinal accuracy. They advocate, they would argue, they do argue, that too much doctrine must be avoided. And the argument goes along these lines, that too much doctrine is offensive to people. It alienates people from the church. They go on to say that it spoils the unity of the church. And, of course, uh, repeatedly, repeatedly mentioning that it is the desire, and we understand it is the desire of God, that there be unity in the church. But, and, and so, therefore, the, the argument is let's disregard the importance of doctrinal accuracy. I want to ask you to consider the question this morning, this question this morning, this, this matter of sound doctrine. Does it matter? Does it matter whether a minimal approach to biblical theology is harmless? Does it matter? Is it important? Does it damage the church or does it build the church? Are diverse and strange teachings merely a matter of personal preference or uh, group preference? Or, or is the neglect of biblical truth, is the neglect of sound doctrine a dangerous reality? So dangerous that it has an impact on the eternal salvation of men and women and young people. So in the message this morning, I'm, I'm planning to use the stages in the process of a chain reaction. I went and did some research and I found that there are certain stages that take place in, in, in a chain reaction. And I'm going to use those stages to unfold and to demonstrate how crucially important it is 
to avoid, avoid being led away by diverse and strange teaching. Well, the very first step in any chain reaction is that of initiation. And so I want to go back to the beginning. We're not only dealing with the present situation, whether it be the Central Baptist Church or the Baptist Union of South Africa or the Baptist Northern Association or the Baptist World Association. That's not where we need to start. We need to go back to the source. Where is it that this, this problem initiates? Well, false teaching has its source in who Jesus called the father of lies. Confronting the Jews who were opposing him during his public ministry, Jesus does not mince his words when it comes to the issue of of the work of of Satan. He says in John chapter 8 verse 44, speaking to these people who are opposing him, "You you are of your father the devil and you will do as your father desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with truth. And I want to repeat that. He has nothing to do with truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and is the father of all lies. I don't know if you ever played the game or called out when you were children Perhaps your siblings, perhaps my siblings will remember. Uh, liar, liar, your pants is on fire. That's what we need to say to Satan. Liar, liar. He's the king of deception. Starting with Adam and Eve right at the beginning. Subtly introducing doubt into Eve's mind about the character and the trustworthiness of God. Eve getting caught up. Eve getting led astray by the lies, by the false teaching of the liar. It's not long and Adam follows in her steps and the Bible tragically unfolds the reality of humanity being plunged, a world being plunged, subjected to the curse of God, something that we experience even to this very day but that's just the beginning that's the initiation that's the proton bombarding the stable uranium 235 atom there's a next step in the process uh, a process of a chain reaction that that speeds on ahead and it multiplies and i've called that propagation and branching propagation and branching and my point is that satan has not stopped his work of deception He did his best, we notice, and I'm going to give you some examples. He did his best to deceive Jesus after his baptism. Jesus warned Peter. Remember that occasion when Jesus said to him, Satan has sought to sift you as wheat. Satan at work to deceive Peter. The Apostle Paul confirming that we are in the midst of a raging war even to this present day against an evil realm that we cannot even see. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood in Ephesians chapter 6, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers uh, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And it doesn't end there. This is... 
This is not just isolated teaching here and there in the Bible. The Bible is permeated. It's splattered. It's, it, it, it warns us again and again. The New Testament is filled. I, I haven't even touched the Old Testament. But the New Testament is filled with warnings against false doctrine, false teaching, lies, lies, deception. Jesus warned. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. The Apostle Paul warned the Ephesian elders to be on guard against savage wolves. We understand wolves. They they, they cause damage. They, They hurt. The intention is to kill and devour. In Acts chapter 20 verse 30 he adds, And from among your own selves men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Not to forget what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen: For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Paul warns the Galatians about men who were preaching a false gospel in chapter 1, deserving to be cursed. This is not something to be taken lightly, but distortion of truth deserves the curse of God. In Colossians, he warned against being taken captive, being led astray, being caught up by philosophy. And, And he goes on to speak about those who impose rules about food and drink and the observance of certain days. And the pastoral letters. I have listed in my notes here, and it runs into three lines of listed verses and scriptures where where, where the pastoral letters contain warnings against false teaching. Now here's my question. And please help me with the answer. Why would a follower of Jesus accommodate false teaching? Why would pastors, people leading flocks entrusted under their care, why would they accommodate false teaching? Why would any follower of Jesus, and and here's really the issue, why would any follower of Jesus be complicit in the exponential spread of the deceptive work of Satan? Don't know. Many do, many do. The question is, will you? Will I? Will you put up with deception and distortion and assist the cause of Satan? Well, as you think about that question, and again continuing to use the analogy of the chain reaction, I want to show you that every chain reaction comes to an end, is termination. There's a day up ahead where the chain reaction, this thing that was initiated and continued to be propagated and branched by Satan, the spreading deception will end. Listen to Revelation 20 verse 10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Deception will end. Along with Satan and the beast and the false prophet, 
all those who are deceived. It's frightening. Perhaps you may be thinking, well, is this really true? Because, you know, uh, so much time has passed since these words were written. And, and uh, well, be wise. Listen to the words of the Apostle Peter regarding the end. He says in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance. So in the meantime, what are we supposed to be doing? We must do what God says in this passage. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 9. Do not be led astray, uh, led away by diverse and strange teaching. And so practically, we come to the second half of my message. How can we avoid being led astray by these diverse and strange teachings? Be immersed, this is my second point, be immersed in, be immersed in and unashamed of sound teaching. Now once again, I want to make use of the stages in the process of a chain reaction, that which takes place in the process. But this time, this time I want to demonstrate very practically the value, to urge you to see this morning the value of sound teaching. And we begin again with initiation, initiation. Now, with the, again, just to introduce the idea here, uh, lots of good sport happening at the moment. Uh, yesterday, there was uh, the woman final of Wimbledon. There was some uh, rugby uh, last night with uh, the Sharks not doing so well against the uh, uh, British and Irish Lions. And, and uh, I, I listened to a bit of both of those and, and, and comments were made. Basics. Get back to the basics. That lady that lost at Wimbledon made some basic errors. Well, the Sharks made some many basic errors. We need as Christians to learn always to get back to the basics. And so the, the good advice uh, must apply to us professing believers. Because we are constantly tempted, every one of us tempted to stray, to be led astray, to get caught up in false teaching. So the author of Hebrews, concerned about his readers, the Hebrews, that they would be led astray, uh, and their leading astray was they were wanting to go back to Judaism. And so he urges them. This is some of the practical advice now we're going to consider. Verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now again, there's value in uh, digging into the passage and trying to understand uh, the meaning, the original intention of this passage. Uh, the reference here to leaders, and most scholars, all scholars that I read, agreed with this, that these, uh, that the author here is referring to past leaders, past leaders, because they did. The, the, the exit has taken place. Consider the outcome of their life. The word there in the Greek is actually exit, that, they, that they've gone. What can we take from that? Well, these leaders must have been those first generation leaders that were eyewitnesses and earwitnesses to the teachings of Jesus. 
Some may have even been those first disciples, apostles. So these men, we are told, spoke the word of God faithfully to the Hebrews. How did they do that? In what context did they do that? Well, we know from the book of Acts that these men, these uh, teachers, these leaders did so, looking at the book of Acts, even in the face of opposition and difficulty and resistance and persecution. <laughs> they did so, they did so knowing, having learned from Jesus, that God's word is the only source of sound teaching. Knowing, as the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans, that faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. Now there's another little bit of interesting uh, uh, grammar that we can have a look at in this verse. The Hebrews are told yet to consider these leaders. That word consider, the particular tense it in, is in, indicates to us that they are to look at these leaders again and again and again and again repetitively re repeatedly and do so also looking at the outcome or the exit of these leaders way of life these men that remained steadfast through hardship successfully finishing their course now it's easy to think, well, they ended up with mega churches and, and lots of accolades and pats on the back. They didn't. Many of them ended up actually being martyred, persecuted for their faith. But they served God faithfully to the end. They were men of faith, known for presenting and believing sound doctrine. Always seeking to be godly examples. And so for us, for us today, let us be reminded of the value. Consider afresh uh, the lives, the way that these men and women lived, the way that their lives ended. As we go back to the beginning, as we go back to when the gospel was and this, this, this gospel era was inaugurated. These people didn't give up on their faith in in, 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 in the face of some opposition or difficulty, they persevered to the end. And we're told yet to imitate their faith. What does that mean? It means that we are to imitate their faith and allegiance, their loyalty to Jesus. All of his teaching. Can't, we can't speak of loyalty to Jesus and then become like picking and choosing what we like, uh, some things he said and some things he said we disregard and we don't like. And No, that's not, that's not for us to decide. The allegiance we have to Jesus means that we are loyal and faithful to propagate and to teach all that he said and taught. Stick with the basics. We at Central Baptist Church want to do that. I certainly want to do that in my teaching and preaching. Just stick with the Bible. Stick with the Bible in its uh, entirety. All of it. New ideas from new leaders, from new movements, from new generations. Read a bit of church history. They come and they go. 
They come and they go. And they come and they come and they come. And they're coming right now in our own generation as well. What does our passage tell us in this context? Verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. First generation, every single century, dark ages, renaissance, reformation, uh, modern era, postmodern era, whatever's ahead of us. Jesus is the same. Jesus. Remember his instruction to his disciples before his ascension. We, we, we refer to it so often when it comes to missions. Well, that applies to us in our mission, those of us who remain at home. We are to make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the ages. Look, there's nothing more, there's nothing less that we must do other than doing what Jesus left for us to do. Which means and does lead us to the next stage in the process, which is propagation and branching, making disciples, spreading the good news. And so whether you today are identified, and and there may be some younger people, there may be some older people, there's lots of talk today about uh, identifying categories of people according to the year that they were born or the era that they were born. Well, I want to tell you this morning the fact that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, whether you are stone age, like me, or whether you are generation X or generation Y, or you are a millennial, or you're confused and you don't know what you are, the propagation of truth will always have a certain Content, And let me change, or let me add to that, a certain life-changing content to it. In summary, it is content that elevates the centrality of Jesus Christ and His redeeming work. It elevates, it elevates the sufficiency of, the supremacy, the centrality, the greatness of Jesus Christ and His redeeming work. And sound doctrine, I'm going to touch on three things from our passage, the content that must always be present. God's grace through Jesus Christ. Have a look at verse 9. It is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them, God saves sinful men and women. God saves us, those of us, each of us, all of us, undeserving sinners. The nature of the love of God expressed in in the grace that He gives so freely. What does that mean? It, It means that there's no tradition There's no ritual, there's no philosophy, there's no theory, there's no human effort that can bring about salvation in the first place and safety through this life into eternity of sinful men and women all the way to heaven apart from grace. I love one of my favorite verses. You've probably heard me quote this many times from John chapter 10 verse 27. 
my sheep, they hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. His voice is the word. It's the truth. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Did you get the picture? Grace, grace. We're so dependent on God. And it's so wonderful that God does not turn his back, but initiates and propagates and enables and sends his spirit so that the word can go forth in the saving of men and women who do not deserve it. For by grace you've been saved, the apostle Paul says, through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. Sound doctrine always includes the announcement, the heralding, God's grace through Jesus Christ. But there's a second aspect, and, and these do not come in, in uh, levels of importance. They're all important, all crucial. Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. Now, our passage deals uh, a lot, uh, spends a bit of time and gives uh, some words to this. But if you have a look at verses 10 to 12, the focus here is the uh, crucial importance of the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. And it's, it, 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 it is that that is at the center of sound doctrine. Uh, in in uh, theological terminology, we speak of the penal substitutionary death of Jesus. Crucial. Jesus and his death on the cross and now to bring it into the context of the passage, has become the true believer's only altar. It supersedes, it replaces the Jewish altar in the temple. That's the immediate context. Also, also confirming, therefore, that any other religious altar, any other place that people go to that they think they're going to appease or please God, is spurious, is rendered useless. Therefore, the Hebrew believers were not to return to Judaism because that altar no longer had any value. That which it, it pointed to was now fulfilled. And so by implication, we today must guard against every temptation to erect altars that undermine the sufficiency of the atoning work of Jesus. Now, here's, here's a, a relevant point. In recent years, so sadly, secular Western society has been building an altar. It's called social justice. And the sad part of it is that many in the church have taken on the teaching of this altar and have sought to erect and protect and uphold the altar of social justice. But the implication, and here's the sadness, losing confidence in the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It leads me to my third aspect of the content of sound doctrine, the believer's exclusive allegiance to Jesus. Verse 13, Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach 
he endured. Now to the original readers, the message was clear. You must leave Judaism. Don't go back there. You must follow Jesus. You can't hang on to your old religion, Judaism, and just add Jesus. Can't do that. Similarly, similarly, again drawing some application, you can't hang on to Jesus and add something new or take away from Jesus that which is offensive. It's Jesus, all of Jesus, or nothing. You must leave the old and turn exclusively to Jesus. The message we need to hear today is don't go chasing after the new. You need to remain. You need to turn. If you've turned away, turn back exclusively to Jesus. Even if it means reproach. That's what Jesus suffered. And we are called to suffer the kind of reproach that he suffered as well. And you will find that if you look at the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. A little further on in verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called by the Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So once again, to us, to you as individuals, to us as a church, to me as a pastor, do you or will you put up with deception that undermines the centrality of Jesus Christ and his redeeming work. Sadly many do. Focusing on pragmatic success in the present. Willing to forget or neglect. Or perhaps it is not really believing. That there is more to come. You may need to, be, to bear. And, and I need, may need to bear. I don't know what the future holds. Reproach for the sake of Christ. But only for a moment. Only for a moment. Because the chain reaction will come to an end. It will eventually come to an end. And that is the promise of heaven. And so my third uh, step in this process of the chain reaction now. Again, termination. Verse 14. For yeah, we have no lasting city. We seek the city that is to come. You see, the Jews boasted about Jerusalem, the center of the earth where all worship uh, of God ought to take place. And perhaps some of the Jews were trying to entice these Hebrew Christians back into the Jewish fold in Jerusalem. We have Jerusalem and we have the glorious city. Well, the message from the author, as God directs him, we have the same city. We have the same city that Abraham and the patriarchs were seeking. If you just read back a little bit uh, in Hebrews to chapter 11. A heavenly city that God has prepared for them. For those Hebrew recipients of this letter. And for us. For us who may at times need to bear the reproach of Christ. Because of our loyalty and allegiance to Jesus and his word. 
It's a wonderful thing, folk, to know that by the grace of God, we are his children in the present. It's great. We are forgiven and, and we're adopted. God is our father. We know that. There's so much we can do and enjoy. And the next two verses speak a little bit about that. Uh, verse 15. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. And I hope we've done that here this morning and we do that repeatedly and regularly. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for uh, such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And again, I trust that we do that. But in doing that, in, experience the pre in experiencing the present reality of God now, remembering what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians in chapter 15 and verse 19, in the context of the final resurrection, he says, If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Hold firmly to the hope of being with the risen Lord, being with Him in heaven, trusting that this will motivate you to keep away from diverse and strange teaching. The prospect of glory, the prospect of the new heaven and the new earth, the prospect of seeing God, the beatific vision, the prospect where we leave sin behind, where the prospect of no more suffering and no more death and no more tears. But in the meanwhile, holding up the truth of God at all costs. Well, let me conclude. Don't ever forget that Satan has set off a chain reaction of lies and deception and evil. That like an atomic bomb, it is destructive, it is devastating, and has consequences, tragic consequences for many people. But God, God, God has planned and provided and secured through the redeeming work of Christ a far more powerful chain reaction for good, for the saving of many souls, giving people from every nation and tribe and language place in heaven at his throne. And so again, it is important to ask, is it right to duck and to dive and to dodge sound doctrine, placing ourselves and others on the slippery slope into the snare of the devil. Is it right to do that? Your answer must surely be an emphatic, no, no, we will not do that. Hearing the words of Paul to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6 verse 3, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that occurs, occurs with godliness, he is puffed up and with conceit and understands nothing. Let us instead heed the words again of Paul to Timothy. Chapter 4 verse 16, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. May God help us. May God help you and may he help me 
to be loyal and faithful, trustworthy, steadfast servants to the glory of His name. And Lord, to that end we pray. Help us. I know, Lord, for myself, a weak, frail, uh, easily uh, tempted person. And so we pray that your Spirit would enable us to stand firm, that your Word would indeed be uh, like fire and a hammer in our hands, that there would be this continuing uh, unfolding of the propagation and branching of your Gospel, uh, bringing about your redemptive purposes to the nations of the world. And so help us as a church, Lord, uh, to be those who pursue truth, that refuse to be complicit with the evil one. And we pray this, Lord, that you would be glorified, that you would be exalted, that Jesus would always be at the center of what we do and say and how we live. Amen. We really do stand in need of God's help, uh, His Holy Spirit, day by day. And so just to close with this prayer, uh, thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit. Uh, thank you, too, that Jesus continues to intercede for us. And doing so, uh, knowing that we are to be sanctified by your truth and that your word is truth. And so be, Lord, with us. Help us each one, every step of every day, looking to Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen. God bless you. Be with you. Have a wonderful Lord's Day.